0: You're listening to Comedy Central. For the week of March 2nd, 2020. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, it's The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Global Edition. Welcome to The Daily Show, Global Edition. I'm Trevor Noah. Before we begin, some news out of the Vatican City. The Pope has suggested to followers that they give up internet trolling for Lent. <laughs> and that, that's such a specific instruction. It makes me wonder if the Pope is getting bullied. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, what else is he gonna say? For Lent, we should also give up wedging the Pope when you see him in the hallway. <laughs> Please, Benedict, stop it. All right, now here it is, this week's headlines. Some good news from Afghanistan, a phrase no one has ever said. <laughs> America's never-ending war with the Taliban might finally be coming to an end.
1: America's longest-running war could finally come to an end. Over the weekend, the United States signed a deal with the Taliban to end the nearly two-decade conflict that gripped Afghanistan in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks and the subsequent U.S. invasion of the country. The agreement lays out a timetable for the full withdrawal of U.S. and coalition troops from Afghanistan within 14 months. In exchange, the Taliban agreed that it would not allow Afghan territory to be used by any groups or individuals to plot future attacks against the United States and its allies.
0: This is a big deal. The United States and the Taliban might have a deal. And this is huge. Besides Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, this might be the biggest (laughs) peace agreement of the century. It's huge. And after 20 years and $2 trillion, you have to admit that's a lot of lowered expectations, No, because America went into Afghanistan like, we're taking out the Taliban and bringing in Western democracy, no matter how long it takes. And now America's like, "Uh, we're gonna leave. Um, (laughs) Just like, don't do another 9-11, okay? (laughs) Now, the deal hasn't been concluded yet because there are still some things that need to be worked out, which makes sense. Because if you think about it, these two countries have been entwined in a 20-year relationship, all right? And we all know it's hard to walk away when you've spent that much time together. So, America, let me, let me give you some relationship tips. First of all, America, let me just say I'm, I'm proud of you. You've realized that you're in a toxic relationship with Afghanistan, and, and you're ready to get out. Now, I want to warn you, for a while, there's, there's going to be a part of you that wants to go back and bomb them in the middle of the night, but you stay strong, and you remember... No matter what you think now, there are plenty of other Middle Eastern countries out there (laughs) for you. The Democratic primaries. If yesterday was Super Tuesday, today is what the fuck Wednesday. (laughs) So let's catch up on the fallout of the biggest voting nights in the primaries in another installment of World War D. into Super Tuesday, the Democratic field had been narrowed down to four main candidates, which is a long way from the original 6,000. <laughs> and as the dust began to settle, it became clear there were two winners and two losers. Elizabeth Warren, one of the night's losers. You see, she failed to pick up a single state. And to add insult to injury, in her home state of Massachusetts, she came in third. Yeah, which is pretty rough. It's like if you came home to find your parents had replaced you with another child. Just be like, sorry, honey, we'd like Joe Biden to be our daughter now. But she wasn't the only one with a disappointing evening. Yeah, another candidate who hit a low point was Mike Bloomberg, former New York mayor and best person to sit behind at a concert. Because after spending the GDP of a small country on his campaign, his quest for the nomination ended in failure.
1: We come in with this Fox News alert. Super Tuesday made for a super shakeup. Democrat Mike Bloomberg today dropped out of the race after his dismal showing last night. Yesterday
2: was a disaster for Bloomberg. He spent more than $500 million and won only a few dozen delegates. Last night campaigning in Florida, Bloomberg tried to sound
0: upbeat. No matter how many delegates we win tonight, we have done something no one else thought was possible. That's right, we spent half a billion dollars to absolutely eat shit. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. We did it. I'm not gonna lie, I I still can't believe Mike Bloomberg spent $500 million to not be president. No, like, I'm also not gonna be the president, but I spent nothing, I... No, so in a way, I feel like I saved $500 million, you know? It really is. That's how I feel. And the funny thing is, the funny thing is, right before he dropped out, Bloomberg bought more TV airtime (laughs) that he doesn't need anymore. But I was thinking like, since he's already paid for it, he should use it, right? He should just come on TV and share his random thoughts. (laughs) Hi, I'm Mike Bloomberg. Have you ever noticed you've never seen birds having sex? (laughs) Kinda weird, huh? Anyway, see you guys in the next ad break. You just do that the whole time. Now, the reason Bloomberg is dropping out now after just one bad night is that you must remember he entered the race to be the moderate alternative to Bernie Sanders. But last night, the voters were very clear that they already know who they want their moderate candidates to be. The night belonged to Joe Biden. They don't call Super
1: Tuesday for nothing. <laughs> The former vice president with a massive comeback on the biggest night of the primary so far. A fired-up Joe Biden celebrating his historic night, racking up a string of commanding victories, including a clean sweep of states in the South and a stunning win in Delegate Rich, Texas. The press and the pundits have declared the campaign dead. Tell that to the folks in Virginia. North Carolina. Alabama.
0: Tennessee. Tennessee. Arkansas! Minnesota! Hey! That's, that's a Joe Biden we haven't seen in a while. Look at him, huh? smiling, full of energy, naming states that actually exist. No, because let's be honest, let's be honest. We were all waiting for him to give a shout out to Pennsylvania. I'm serious, I don't think I've seen Biden this happy since that time Obama taught him how to ride a bike. This has been a while. I mean, and of course, of course, no Joe Biden speech would be complete without a few moments where the Wi-Fi dropped out.
1: It's a good night and it seems to be getting even better. By the way, this is my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh no, this is, you switched on me. This is my wife, this is my sister. They switched on me.
0: Joe. Really? Joe Biden called his sister his wife? That's an awkward mistake. And if you are going to talk about your sister-wife, you should have done it sooner, because then you could have won Utah. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, hi, I'm Mike Bloomberg. I was thinking, how does a train turn around? Anyway, see you guys next ad break. Now, the sister-wife thing was just a silly gaffe that didn't derail the night. What did cause a bit of concern was when two protesters stormed the stage
1: during Biden's speech. Protesters rushing the stage—you see it—they are coming within feet of the former vice president and Dr. Jill Biden. His wife. One woman was swiftly removed by the former vice president's body man. Then moments later, see it again—a second protester storming onto the stage. Simone Sanders, his senior advisor, yeah. She, yeah. Just Look, she just comes out of nowhere flies on stage and rips one of the protesters off. Dr. Jill Biden protecting her husband by shoving off a
0: protester that was storming the stage. Her response, "I'm a silly girl." Yo, 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 yo. That! Jill Biden, see that? Stepped in and blocked that protester like a white lady Jackie Chan. Bam! <laughs> I mean, I knew she was a doctor. I just didn't know her PhD was an ass whipping. That was amazing. And it, it wasn't just Biden's wife. Yeah, his senior campaign advisor, Simone Sanders, did you see that? She handled that protest like a professional bodyguard. Hell, <laughs> Biden's got more women protecting him than T'Challa. Like, he's just <laughs> killing it out here. No wonder he's winning the black vote. So overall, overall, it was a good night for Biden. But don't forget, this contest is far from over because this race is all about winning delegates, right? Not just states, but delegates. And even with his good night last night, Biden is still basically neck and neck with Bernie in the delegate count. All right, and up until this point, these two have been super friendly on the campaign trail, laughing, hugging at the debates, but something tells me those days might be over. This morning, it's
1: now a two-man race. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is already sharpening his attacks against Biden. One of us in this race led the opposition to the war in Iraq. You're looking at him. Another candidate voted for the war in Iraq. One of us has spent his entire life fighting against cuts in Social Security, wanting to expand Social Security. Another candidate has been on the floor of the Senate calling for cuts the Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and
0: veterans program. That's right, one of us is a bitch ass, the other person is me. (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. Spread the word. Yeah, people, you can see, the gloves are officially off. The dentures are in. (laughs) And things, things are about to get messy between these two. Not just because there's Vicks Vaporub everywhere, no, because (laughs) This is the home stretch to find out who will be the Democratic nominee. And Bernie, if you're going to attack Joe Biden, I wish you the best of luck. But remember not to get too close, because then you'll have to deal with Jill. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Daily Show. Let's talk about the coronavirus. According to WebMD, you already have it. Now, every day we learn more about how this virus is affecting the world. So let's check in on the latest coronavirus news in our ongoing segment, Is This How We Die? (laughs) Last week, we learned that coronavirus has been making its way through Europe like a trust fund kid on a gap year. (laughs) And after throwing Italy into chaos, the next stop on the trip is Paris.
1: Uh, Big changes in France today. The number of cases there has nearly doubled to 100. Uh, The government there really taking some pretty extreme measures. The French government banned indoor public gatherings of more than 5,000 people. That led to the Louvre Museum shutting down.
0: The health minister advising people not to kiss or shake hands when meeting, as President Macron did days ago with Italy's leader. Oh, come on, Macron! Are you serious? Italy's got corona and you're kissing their prime minister. And it's not just one kiss, it's three. That's three chances to get sick. Yeah, you're just like healthy, mwah, healthy, mwah, dead, mwah. (laughs) And that's right, this situation is getting so serious that French people have been told not to kiss each other hello, which must be hard. That's like such an ingrained part of their culture. You know, it's like telling New Yorkers not to jack off on the subway. That's how we say (laughs) hello. But these protocols make sense, right? Greeting people with physical contact is not a good idea right now. And black people are the only people who are really prepared for this, you know? Everyone else is like shaking hands with me, but black people, like, we have many different ways to greet each other, you know? We've got the distant head nod, you know? It's like that whole thing, yeah? You know, you just, you, you look sick, stay over there, you know? And even when black people shake hands, it's so complicated that by the end of it, the virus is like, yo, you lost me on the second. I, I, didn't, I didn't get that part, that, yeah, you, you, you got me. I don't, I don't know what, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> now, while France is only beginning to grapple with how to contain the outbreak, Korea is showing the world how it's done.
1: Outside of China, South Korea has the most coronavirus cases. They've come up with a new innovative way to test for the virus in the form of a drive-through. This is a free
0: service that the city of Gyeong is offering anybody. I just took the test actually. Vehicles come through here, and you get a questionnaire, you get your hands sanitized, and then you go through a number of stations here. Damn, Korea is advanced. They've got drive-through testing? (laughs) And apparently, using this, they have screened more than 100,000 people for coronavirus, which is impressive, and probably the first time people going through a drive-through are getting healthier. (laughs) But also, why isn't America doing this, right? This is the land of the drive-through. Yeah, drive-through fast food, drive-through banks, drive-through liquor stores. I mean, when I'm in a rush, I go to a drive-through therapist, you know? It's just like, (laughs) stop being sad. Thank you, goodbye. (laughs) And look, whether it's drive-throughs or something else, America needs to figure out how it's going to deal with this pandemic because it turns out, not only is coronavirus here in the US, apparently it's been here for a while.
1: Over the weekend, health officials announced new infections in Washington state, Oregon, California, Illinois, New York, Florida, and Rhode Island. A state of emergency issued in Washington state where 13 patients have been diagnosed with COVID-19. Researchers in Washington telling ABC News, their analysis of samples of the virus strongly suggests it's been spreading in this state for the past six weeks.
0: Yeah, that's right, people. There's a chance coronavirus has been in America for weeks and nobody realized it, yeah. It's like at the end of a sports movie where the coach is like, guys, what you've been looking for has been right here all along. (laughs) See, the virus is in your lungs. (laughs) You shouldn't be playing basketball. You should be at the hospital. (laughs) But this is really scary. And so for more on this health crisis and America's response, we turn to our senior medical correspondent, Roy Wood Jr., everybody. (laughs) I got to say, Roy, this virus has everyone so stressed out. I mean, I'm keeping this can of disinfectant around to spray on everything. What what else can we do to stay safe? (laughs) Stop, stop, stop with that. First of all, Trevor, don't panic. The most important thing to do is wash your hands. Just wash your hands. And don't rush. You got to wash them for at least the length of one verse of a Cardi B song. (laughs) I wash their back, then wash their front, girl. I make healthy moves. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing. Don't touch your face cuz you can make yourself sick. And if you are sick, remember to stay <coughs> <coughs> stay at home.
2: <coughs>
0: <coughs> <coughs> what, what what? Did you just corona cough in my face? Oh. No. I got a cough in your face, man. I just had some peanuts a minute ago. They stuck in my throat. Okay, I'm, cause I'm I'm watching you, Roy. Don't don't make me sick. I'm good, man. Come on. As I was saying, it's important not to panic. Check on your elderly neighbors. Make sure. <clears throat> There's no need for concern. What you need to... Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, <corona, laughs> get out of here! It's Roy you Jr., everybody, we'll right <laughs> <get> back! Oh, <laughs> <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show, everybody. My guest tonight is a lifelong civil rights advocate for people with disabilities. She's also the author of Being Human, an unrepentant memoir of a disability rights activist. And she's featured in the upcoming Netflix documentary, Crip Camp. Please welcome Judith Human. Thank you so much for being here. Can I just say, reading, reading this book, I, I expected to be impressed by it, but I wasn't quite expected for how much of a badass you would be. Um, no, because you, you, you don't just advocate for human rights and, and rights for people with disabilities, but, but you fight for them and you fight for them with a passion. Welcome to the show. Before I get into my first question, I, I I guess what really blew my mind about your story is that I specifically have taken for granted so many things in life that I feel like were always there. Ramps you know, for getting into stores, uh, you know, ramps that help people get into buses when traveling, all all measures that we put in place to help everybody be part of society. You lived in a world where that wasn't true and you fought to make those changes. What was that world like before the world we
2: live in today? So I grew up in Brooklyn, all of you from Brooklyn. And um, (laughs) at that time, so I was born in 1947. I had polio in 1949, there were no laws. There were no federal laws that made it illegal to discriminate against many people. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Civil Rights Act in the U.S. didn't come about till 1964. And as I got older, it became a bigger problem because the school in our neighborhood was not accessible. My mother took me to that school, um, PS 198. At that time, it wasn't accessible. After the laws came into being, in 1981, it was renovated, the school became accessible, but the principal denied me entrance into the school because I couldn't walk, and he said I could be a fire hazard. You know, as an
0: able-bodied person, I take so many things for granted. We take things for granted. I call We're...
2: you non-disabled, I You
0: know. call me non-disabled? Oh, I never know which term it is, to be honest, because in I the book- I call
2: you non-disabled because we also, um, because the likelihood of your acquiring a disability uh, temporarily or permanently is statistically very high. Did you just threaten me? Yes. (laughs)
0: Definitely. (laughs) Um, it's, It's been 30 years now since the American Disabilities Act was passed. Many would feel like everything has been done and everyone has access to what they need.
2: What do you still feel needs to be improved specifically in the United States? So I think the United States and around the world, one of the big issues is that people with disabilities need to feel proud of who we are. Um, we need not to be ashamed of who we are. We, as disabled people and as allies, like I know you are, because you've done some great work on your program, the mental health piece that you did was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> that's really, I think, what the objective is that we, as disabled people, need to band together, speak out against the oppression or discrimination against anyone, and that needs to be the norm. And I wanna just also say, you know, I live in D.C., and the metro there, uh, some of the most frequent users of the elevators are men and women who have babies in baby carriages. Mm -hmm. So I think we really need to also look at the kinds of accommodations that theoretically have been made for disabled people actually benefit so many other people, and people don't even realize why they're (laughs) there.
0: That's really beautiful. I, I honestly, I loved every part of your story because of how fierce it is, because of how funny it is, because of how interesting it is, because of how much you learn. I mean, I learned about stories in and around the Disabilities Act, the story of America. And I learned that there was once a time in New York when there was no traffic on some streets. So thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you so much for being here. Being Human, a beautiful tale from Real Life is available now and Netflix will feature Crip Camp beginning March 25th Judith and human, everybody
1: The Daily Show with Trevor Noah ears edition
0: watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more